What is up guys? Welcome back to another quadcast. I am Jacob from Quad Hunting and today's episode it's going to be a little different. Um there's some audio issues but that we've had uh no video. We were in a car while we were doing this. Uh so there's a little bit of road noise that I tried to take out as much as possible. Um and it kind of affected the audio, but it was better than it was with the road noise. So it's it's bear with the audio. But today's episode's got my favorite guest that we've ever had on, and probably one of my favorite guests I'll ever have on the show, and that's my mother, my mom, Dr. Wendy Hunting. She hates being called a doctor, but she's got the degree, so I'm calling her a doctor. I'm introducing her as Dr. Wendy Hunting. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, we're going to do more of these. Uh, this is just kind of a scratching the surface episode, so I hope you guys enjoy. everything else is recorded of you guys because I do all the recording yeah, and when I die y'all gonna have nothing well, you start talking hmm? start talking then <laughs> <laughs> we're listening you never listen I know who's listening never listen John move home no exactly never listen John's like move to Iowa
was an interview was for After the Whistle, the sports show I used to do for GBTV, and I was hosting it that day, so I had a, I had a button-up shirt, a tie, nice khakis on, and it started raining. You had the soft top on it, and this wasn't like, this wasn't warm. It wasn't the soft top that we bought. No, it was the old soft top. the hole in it. Windshield wipers weren't moving fast enough, so I was manually running the windshield wipers while the door was flying open on me, and it sprayed gas all over me when I went to fill it up. I've had a very hate-hate relationship with your Jeep. It was a great Jeep. I don't know what you're talking about. And it still runs to this day. It's in Coralville, Iowa right now. So Is that an Iowa... University of Iowa student that bought it? Going to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I sold it to another uh, college kid who's too stupid to realize what they were buying. So. <laughs> they just saw cheap and went, oh, I want it. <laughs> Rust, it's fine. Oh, speedometer doesn't work. It's fine. Everything's fine. Yes, you had to use Snapchat to be your speedometer. Or you just got really good at using your foot. Just knowing what speed 2,000 RPMs was. Uh-huh. 2,000 was 55, 2 and 2 quarter was about 65. Because the Jeep also didn't have cruise control. Nope. So you had to foot drive the entire way when you would drive from Michigan to Iowa. That's why I have bad knees. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, you got a fun story about the first time you uh, drove John's Jeep. Jacob and I went to pick it up. Jonathan had to, he was in marching band. And we got there and were heading back and Jacob called me to let me know that the speed limit was 70 and I didn't dare to go a stitch over what 60 yeah because we were on uh, 196 or was it 96 I think 96 it was 96 home. coming around Grand Rapids and I was in the old pickup truck behind you because I had I think I had a topper in the back of the truck with the extra tires that they sold with them, for the extra wheels, and yeah, we were just getting passed, and people were honking, and as I was following, yeah, I called, and it was like, speed limit's 50, or speed limit's 75, mom, and you went, I know, we'll get there when we get there. And then, that's when we also found out the gas gauge didn't work, because she started to sputter, and I'm like, man, I hope John knows, knew what he was buying. Little did I know, gas gauge didn't move no matter what you did. And then uh, we had a real fun time trying to find where you put gas in the Jeep. We had, it was you, me, Keith, Brian, Keith, and my friend Colin. I don't know why we, what we were all doing, but Keith was driving the Jeep. and We were taking the Jeep over to the high yeah. school to give to John. That's right. And we were, uh, we, so we knew we had to fill it up started sputtering real bad, and we walked around the entire Jeep trying to find where to put the gas. And then your mom was like, check the license plate, and they all thought I was crazy. And then we, someone grabbed the license plate, and the whole thing flipped down, and there was the hole for gas. And everyone was, oh, that is so stupid. Well, and then you go to my first time trying to get into it. You guys uh, lock the doors. Only to find out that the doors didn't unlock, except from the inside. So I had to crawl through the back. I had to take the topper off in the back and crawl <laughs> over the seats to get the door unlocked. We should have known right off the bat. That should just what it's three three day lemon law? Is that what it is? <laughs> that take it right was back. Meant to stay with the Richards. Well, we had a lot of nice memories in that thing. Oh, yeah. It was nice during the summer when you take the doors and the top off and go Until for a ride. Until you get three inches of rain on the northern, when we went to northern Michigan. Yeah, I went to the UP. In one hour. Yeah. yeah, the Jeep was wet. I was glad I didn't have to ride in it. <laughs> Brian and I were not. We've had real fun experiences with first cars in this family. Going all the way back to Mom, your first car. 1981 Olds Cutlass that when I first got it had a diesel and that diesel 
she'll only live for a couple of days before she, I don't know, quit running, I guess is the best way to put it. And my grandfather had a friend who owned a junkyard and they found a 455 rocket to put it in. Well, my car was rear-wheel drive. And the first day I got to drive it with the 454 in it, I mashed the gas. That's what you had to do with a diesel to get her to move. And just, you know, spun the tires and kicked her sideways. and On dry pavement. And my dad then proceeded to put a block on the motor, on the carburetor. So you couldn't get the full power out of it? Nope. He took her from a four barrel, I think, down to a two or something. I can't remember what all he did to it, but... And then, I mean, the car, you check the, the gas when you filled the oil because even though it did go through a lot of gas, it went through even more oil. I think it just spewed it out of everywhere. It was a very interesting car to learn to drive with. Then fast forward to me turning 16. Got you a nice car. That car was really nice. I miss that car sometimes. I had a 95 Toyota Camry, which the first day I got to drive it, 16 years old in the DMV parking lot, I proceeded to get, not, it wasn't an accident because I wasn't even in the car. My car got hit in the DMV parking lot as I was sitting waiting. On the car. You were sitting I was on sitting it, on the trunk of the car. That knocked you off. Yeah, because the guy was trying to park. Hit. The, I don't. I don't know exactly how it happened. All I know is he said he was trying to park, and then he ended up in the side of my car. And it knocked me off the back. But uh, that Camry went through a ton. It was another. You check the oil as you, or you fill the oil as you check the gas. It was. Uh, and then I just kind of. Gave it an assisted suicide. Yes. There at the end. Yes, you did. I knew it had a problem, and I when I, when I was when I first got it, the problem wasn't that bad, and would not have cost that much to fix it. The problem was, is I didn't have money when I first got it because I was working for four twenty-five an hour at Subway. And when I finally then had a job to where I had money to fix it, the problem was so bad that it was going to cost more to fix the car than the car was even worth. So I decided to take that money and put it on a new down payment for the car I have now. But then yes, John had his Jeep, his 95 Jeep for his first car. And Brian, who can't speak for himself, so we can make as much fun of him as we want right now, as he's listening to this, had that, uh, had Janky Malibu. And she was Janky. He bought that car, well, bought the car for him and there was dog vomit still in the back. It went through a couple engines, or it went through one engine. They put a new engine in it. Um, when it, what was, why did, what finally killed it? I don't remember what killed it, but what did crack me up about that whole thing was that's why he was driving the 08. I was trying to remember the other day why he was driving the 08 for that winter. Um, when he got the car running again, the car was up on the ramps. Because it wasn't running, running. It was, it ran enough to where you could drive it. But, yeah, but it, like the exhaust wasn't all hooked back. Everything wasn't all fully, yeah. so it was super loud. And he, dad told him not to drive it. He wanted to go to the gas station or something. I can't remember what. And decided to take the Malibu. His plan was just to drive it off, go get what he wanted, come back, put it back on the... Well, he didn't tell Dad. <laughs> he did that. So, Dad knew how far everything was from the car when he, they originally got it up there. As they were doing something... You know, you were with them, weren't you? I don't. I don't. I wasn't in the car, but I, I didn't go with them. Some, but, but the, I was home when he had taken it, and was like, "Well, that's strange." Well, the thing is, 
when they got done with it, they were getting ready to move the car, and because Dad put it up there, it oh, I was there. Yep. When yep. it popped the. Because they were. Yep. Because Dad had known where the car was when he left it there. O'Brien had taken it and come back, and, and moved. put the blocks in a different, or put the ramps in a different spot. And when they tried to take it down the next time, it was so close. We used to have the. Um, and the old engine out of the Bronco was sitting on the stand out in the driveway. And when they were, when Brian was trying to back it off the lot or off the ramp because it had moved, it backed it up into the block that engine, that old engine, and it popped out the rear uh, brake light. It or broke the, the, the plastic yeah. on the brake light. Yeah, I do remember that now. Dad's always real meticulous about where he knows exactly where he'll if if he remembers where he left something he knows exactly <laughs> right where it was it's getting him to remember where he left it yeah where's the boat bearing yeah exactly we still don't know he bought another one he ended up buying a new one for the trailer because he just he couldn't find where he had the other one the bearing buddy yeah he didn't remember where he put it because he bought one lost it and then had to go buy another one because he couldn't remember. He looked, tore up the house, tore up work, tore up his bag, anywhere where it might have ended up. But the one thing Dad wasn't real meticulous about, because he had no reason to be meticulous about it, was his alcohol and his beers. Until I was about 16 years old. <laughs> 17 years old. When we used to like to go up north with Grandma and Grandpa. <laughs> Until we found out that our shed lock was also your... Gym lock. So they bought a master lock combo. It was two locks in one. And it came with two keys, but they were the same exact keys because it was the same exact lock. And one went on the shed up at some property we used to go to all the time up at Silver Lake. But we'd go all the time in the summer, and we had. Then I had the other lock for my gym locker for track. Well, track wasn't going on, so I didn't obviously need them because we were in the middle of summer. But I would go up every once in a while if my grandparents were going up, because they also had some property up there. But if my parents weren't going or whatever, if the family wasn't going, so you guys, John and Brian, were in Iowa for that summer. I think you guys were going to pick them up. And that's why you weren't there that going to Silver Lake that weekend. Well, and I started a new job that summer, too. Yeah. And so I had... I One of my friends who I hadn't seen at all that summer was going to be up there. And so I had asked, could I go up and just stay with Grandma and Grandpa? Or go up for the day? No, you, stayed, you were staying the night. Yep, yeah, but it was after... I had, well, after I had gotten up there, I had packed like I was going to stay the night because that was my plan, but I didn't have permission right off the bat. So, um, I had been up there a couple times before by myself, and I, I've always hated when people are like, are you okay? Do you need some food? Do you need something to drink? They were all just taking care of you. It, 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 it's like the whole friend group up there, all the parents are like, also your adopted parents yes and so the adults often knew everything that was going on because once one parent one set of parents knew it got around the circle fast but um anyways we had uh so knowing that everyone was gonna bother me with do you need something to drink are you hungry i stopped on the way up there and bought some food and something some a 12 pack of mountain dew that was my drink at the time, knowing we were going to go out on the beach and all of that. So, mom, dad, not knowing I had the key to the shed, I walked up to the shed with my friend Jessica, unlocked the shed, and opened the fridge that was in the shed to put the Mountain Dew in there so it'd be cold. And dad had just done a favor for one of the neighbors, and beer is currency. So they paid back, Dad back with two or three 30 racks of Bush Light. And you 
guy, Dad had opened one of them the weekend before, and there was only a couple out of it. Well, two, 17, uh, two unsupervised 17-year-olds quickly go, hmm, okay. That sounds like a good idea. Famous so, last words. Famous last words. But we were sneaky about it. We were smart. If you're underage, don't listen to this next part. If you, I mean, <laughs> they think they're smart. But, but yes, continue. So what we did was, is I saved all of my empty Mountain Dew cans, and we rinsed them out. And then we poured the beer out of the Bush Light cans into the empty Mountain Dew cans. Because we knew we were going to be either going to be at a campfire that night with adults around, or adults would just walk up and start talking to us. And they did. And they did. So, and the entire time, no one said anything to us as we were drinking our Mountain Dews. So the children thinking that they got away with it, happened to do this in front of a former friend who was notorious for narking and sent me a text. She sent mom a text that I had been in the shed and she thinks we were drinking. So I text the neighbor lady up north. Who is also my best friend's mom. And I said, hey, did you see Jake in the in the shed over the weekend? Her response was, what did Jessica and Jacob do? Because once one of us was in trouble, the other one was probably involved. So then I came home and met Jacob as he got off the bus and tried to be as crafty as I could with the wording so he didn't figure out who told me. Because, yeah, you had told us one of the adults had seen it, which instantly set alarms off in my head. But, like, well, which adult would have sent, not said something to us? What parent would see other kids drink, would see kids drinking and not be like, do your parents know? Because some of the parents up there would have been like that. Like, do your parents know this is going on? But most of them would have been like, what are you doing? We're going to talk to your parents about this. So we were we were able to, and you took our, you and um, Jessica's mom both took our cell phones away so we couldn't communicate that entire week there to was, figure out. There was no storytelling, figuring out the whole, what are we going to say? We all got to be on the same page. We took, we took that ability away right off the bat. And so... Of course, my side of the story is it was Jessica's idea. Jessica's side of the story is it was my idea. We still argue about that to this day. And we will still argue about it to this forever. But it was a... But then, uh, the, I remember the first... Because you told uh, you had told me you have to apologize to Jessica's parents. And Jessica's parents also said you need to apologize to Tom and Wendy. But I will never forget Dad's whole reaction to the whole thing. Was when uh, you... When, he, when you told him, he's like, it's not that big of a deal. I was drinking when I was his age with my parents. They were they were safe about it. They weren't going out drink party and driving or anything like that. They were, and all you had to say to him was, it was your beer. Yes. Then I was in trouble. And I had to pay bar rate. Four dollars for a can of nasty bush light. Bush light. I still won't drink bush light to this day because of that. I don't like it. I didn't even finish my can when I, I because like you think like oh beer's good. All the adults drink it. Beer is not good. Beer is an acquired taste. Beer is disgusting. I still am not a huge fan of it. But when you, I remember getting back up to Silver Lake that next weekend. I had, you had said you need to apologize to the Yankees before you can go do anything. And I was, like, freaking out, panicking. So I 
unloaded the entire truck full of groceries. I unloaded the groceries into the trailer, put them all in their spots, trying to kill as much time as I possibly could. And I walked over and it was just like, sorry about last weekend. And her dad reached over and gave me a hug and was like, you guys are fine. Just be smarter next time if you do it. And we did the same thing to Jess. <laughs> Jessica gave dad a hug and he's like, you know, that was honestly pretty sneaky. Yeah. Because you guys, when growing up, you guys never told us, don't drink. You told us, be if you're going to, be responsible. Which I always thought was the smartest thing a parent could do. Excuse me, because when doing when you're younger, you kind of want to do those things that you know you're not supposed to do. There's more incentive to want to do it. But when you guys went, be responsible if you're going to do it, you're like, well, damn it, now it takes part of the fun out. Yeah, we never really made it a, a sin in the house. Yeah, drinking wasn't like can't drink, it's awful to drink, drinking is terrible. No, you guys were, even when you were little, here's some whiskey, you guys aren't feeling well. <laughs> or it would be, you would put the can on the table, and when you're young, a can of beer looks like a can of pop, so they would grab it and take a drink out of it, and you'd get laughed at when your reaction was, eh, eh. Yes. Remember that dragon's milk? Yep. That stuff was gross. That stuff is terrible. Yep, when Dad took a drink and he's, Ugh. here, kids, come here. <laughs> Try it was, this. It was never in an irresponsible. You guys never encouraged it either to be like, here, drink this. Or yes, you can drink. It was just a, if you're going to do it, be responsible. And that was kind of your guys's parenting method on a lot of things. Never really made it. There wasn't too many, like, bad things. There were consequences to the action. Yes. Whether the good or bad. But there was never a right or wrong, necessarily. All actions just had a consequence. Yeah, we, you know, yeah, and the consequences, you know, as the firstborn, I think we're, you know, a little, little bullshit. <laughs> Some of us were just better children. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> As mom and dad like to say, I was the guinea pig. They figured out which punishments worked and didn't work on me. I mean, good lord. Jacob, everything was... You were grounded for life. How was that summer of C-? minus? Oh, summer of C-. minus. <laughs> so, education was always really important. And is always really important and should always be a focus. Um... For me, for a while, I did, you know, it wasn't pretty much most of the middle school. And the rule was we were not allowed to play video games, number one, um, Monday through, or Sunday night after 5 p.m. till Friday night, 5 p.m. And you only got to play if? You only got to play on the weekends if your grades were a C or better. And? No missing assignments. Well, I hated homework. So, I had some missed assignments, which ultimately brought my grades down. And it was the only time until my senior year of high school where I had finished with below a C in a subject. And it was my final report card of the year. I finished with a C minus. So, I was grounded that entire summer. I'm not grounded. I couldn't play video games that entire summer. But you did. But, I, but I did. Yeah. So just never in front of us. Yeah, yeah, never in front of mom and dad. I was the babysitter when they would go to work. So, <laughs> But what I will never forget is the when we had just recently moved out to Grand Haven. We had just moved from the living inside of our travel trailer to living inside the house. and Or not just, but it had been recent. It had been like that year. And for whatever reason, I can't remember why... The Nintendo 64 was not allowed to come inside. wasn't wasn't inside the house for whatever reason. It was in the trailer, and I can't remember why that was. But I remember us kids 
But you guys were at work. We would go out to the trailer, play Nintendo 64 all day until about 1 p.m. And then we'd go back inside, clean the house, and then wait for you guys to get home from work. What other stories did mom and dad not know, John? Plead the fifth. <laughs> I'm trying to think of more. I know that was one that you didn't know. But there was one that came out a few years ago. There was a story. It came out a few years ago. I will always hang it over John and Brian's heads. When one night we were at home, it was just us boys, mom and dad. I think it, might, it was probably like a Thursday night because those were always date nights for you guys. Well, we had, yeah, it was date night and... You, had, you guys used to play on the worship team. You played piano and dad was the sound guy for the worship team at church. Yeah, so we had practice. And so, yeah, you'd do practice and then you'd go out on a date after that. So it was just us four boys at home and John and Brian were watching TV and someone had the remote and somebody wanted to change the channel and the person who had the remote didn't want to change the channel. I believe John had the remote because he was the one running away from Brian playing keep away with the remote and they were running around the kitchen table and John took one of the chairs no, and no, no, slid, no, no. It, slid it out <laughs> from underneath the table in Brian's path and Brian was pissed off already so Brian took the chair and threw it down into the ground to the hardwood floor which obviously makes a loud noise and me as the babysitter who wasn't paying attention because we were all, John I think was in high school, or John was just mid-middle school, Brian was, well you know we were old enough to, you know, they didn't need a babysitter, but they, uh, the chair got slammed to the ground and I had to come out and then saw the back of the chair on one of the, one post in the back of the chair had completely snapped in half. So the chair was not usable. Mind you, this is a new table this, and chair yeah, set. Table chair. We had not had it for long. And so now Brian's freaking out. As he should be. As he should be. And so me trying to be the older brother is like, I, I think I might be able to fix this. Because Jake knew. I would get in trouble because I was the one that was in charge. Yes. So I try to fix it best I can, which wasn't much. And then... We happened to have, it was the winter, it was during the winter, because every winter during Christmas break, we would have what we called the guys all-nighter. Mind you, how many weeks or months did we make it before that? Not long. Day? No, it wasn't long. I thought it was a few weeks. No, it was like two days later. Because the chair, the table had not been used much between that time. I thought you just learned not to lean on the back. Nope. So, we uh, had the guys all-nighter, and did that every winter we would have a bunch of our friends from all of us boys we'd invite all of our friends they would come out bring tvs their xboxes and we would system link or do giant land parties uh, and we would stay up all night playing video games and then the next morning mom and dad would wake up make everyone breakfast and we were we were one that morning we were sitting there at the table and i Unwilling, unwittingly, unknowingly sat down in the broken chair and I loved, I, I don't know why I didn't love I just for some reason would always lean back in chairs and mom always would get on me how many legs does a chair have well, so I'm leaning back in this chair that's broken, the back's broken not realizing the chair I'm in and mom goes how many legs does a chair and as she says it the back of the chair falls off and I slide and hit the ground so, all she thinks is, he just broke this chair by leaning back on it. Which, I mean, I've never seen that in my whole entire <laughs> life. It was a clean, she's just like looking at it like, damn, that's a clean break. And so now, I have one of two choices, I have two choices I can do. Go, it's not, it wasn't me, Brian broke it before, or I can just own it. And, you know save my brothers from getting in trouble. Ultimately, it was because all the guys were over and now I don't want to start a, a fight. 
So I don't say anything. I take the heat for a couple years on this chair. And we made him fix it. And this time, time and this time I had to use, I took a drill with screws and screwed it all back together. So a few years later, or no, not a few years later, it was a little bit later, there had a mysterious crack in the drywall appeared. And Sean still gets glared at while he had nothing to do with it. Which, uh, mm -hmm. it was at the end of the one of the hallways, and... I just painted the whole entire living room in hallways, and the walls had all cracks, holes, filled, sanded. It was, I mean, perfectly done. And not even a little bit later, this new crack appears in the drywall. Not just a crack, it was a full indent. <laughs> Somebody got thrown into the wall. And so it was mom and dad were convinced it was Jacob or John, Jacob and John or John and Brian. But in the middle of it, he was John. John was involved some way. Always am. So we they all sit us down and they're like, alright, who did it? And of course, John and I, who ultimately had no part in it, were like, wasn't I wasn't me. And Brian also said, it wasn't me. And in our house, if no one would take the take the bullet, you all took the bullet. And so we all got grounded. So John and I, our rooms are right next to each other's. And John and I are standing in the doors, are standing in the doorway of our, of our rooms, yelling at each other, like, why didn't you tell him you did it? Because you did it, because I didn't do it, and I know you did it. And Brian came around and goes, it was me and Matt. And John and I were like, well, then you need to tell Mom and Dad you did it so we can get ungrounded. But Brian wouldn't do it at first. Brian was like, no, I don't want to be in trouble for doing it. He would rather us all be in trouble and it never get out who ended up doing it. Until Mom then went back there to go fix the wall. And you can take it from here. And I... I have this other personality, and I call her Ghetto Mom, um, and she kind of popped out that day, and I I was right outside of Brian and Matt's door, working and complaining very loudly about how I didn't do it, but yet here I am having to fix it, and a few other choice words, very loudly, and Brian came to the doorway and said, Mom, I'm really sorry. Matt and I did that. Matt had pushed Brian, Brian into the, the wall. And that's when I realized that my little baby wasn't a little baby anymore. <laughs> yeah, I realized Matt wasn't a little baby anymore when he put me in that headlock that I couldn't get out of. Do you have a story like that, John? Matt? Yeah. Where you about... realized, Matt's not a little kid anymore. How about his running hugs? Not, not yet, man. He'd, coming home just to visit after being in Iowa for a while, yeah, he would full-on charge at you. And if you didn't have your legs braced and ready to go, he would take you to the ground with him. So you had to prep a little bit. My goodness. He'd make a heck of a linebacker. Mom, you've had four four children, four kids, all boys. What was that like, growing up as the only woman in the house? The queen of my castle? The queen yeah. of the castle. She had it made. I still do. <laughs> I mean, John kind of put it pretty, pretty awesomely when we were at Cedar Point. And I had boys walking in front, on the side, and behind me. He goes, you feel pretty protected, don't you? You have your own secret service. I said, you know, I pretty much would triple dog dare anybody to try to come at me right now. But, no, it's, I can't imagine life any other way. Um, when we had Matt, everybody was, you know, like, are you guys going to try for a girl? And I said, oh, heck no. She After your fourth child. 
I said she would never get out of the, the crawl space of the house with four older brothers. We always said if there was a daughter in this family, she would either be the biggest tomboy ever or would be the most sheltered child ever. Between, yeah, your dad and you guys, for sure. So, our youngest brother, Matt, was born with a mental disability, Down syndrome. You and Dad, that's been, like you mentioned yesterday to me, just talking, you've never had it where it was just you and Dad by yourselves in a relationship. You've always, either when you guys got married, I was there, and Matt will always be there. What? What's the major differences for people who don't know what it's like, or what's what it's like raising a child with mental disability for people who, number one, don't know, and number two, might not ever experience that? You know, the one thing when we had Matt, I could never really distinctly remember interacting with someone with Down syndrome. You know, I had a cousin with cerebral palsy, um, you know, but her case was you know, pretty severe, and she wasn't able to communicate her needs other than a few, they, they were able to teach her a few signs, like, you know, if she was hungry or needed a drink, um, and so I, I didn't know what to expect, and that was the hardest, you know, part in the beginning, but as Matt got older, Matt actually has taught us so much more than, he, you know, we could ever teach him. You know, Matt loves unconditionally. You know, I mean, and he is the quickest to forgive. You know, if you upset him, you know, he will, you know, come back, you know, and you say, man, I'm sorry, you know, you're going to get a hug whether you want it or not. And uh, it's okay. And yeah, it's okay. And, you know, even in a pandemic, you know, you're going to get a hug. Um, but he's, he's just definitely taught me a lot more, like I said, than, than I could ever, ever teach him. So you're going into your fourth kid going, all right, I know what to expect, I know this, I know that, because you've raised three others. No, nope, it was all brand new, again. You know, is this, is this normal for him? Is it not normal? You know, do I need to call the doctor? Do I not? I felt like a brand new mom all over again. Because, yeah, you went from, because you didn't know until he was born right. that this was coming. Right. This was going to happen. Because, yeah, it was just, and I remember you guys trying to explain to us and not really even understanding anything. Because mm-hmm. you, you guys kind of decided to have all the children really quick. <laughs> and with, <laughs> get everything out of the way. Four I children, would, and you were seven when I had Matt, right? Yep. I was, yeah, seven years old when you had your fourth child, and I was the first. So there wasn't a big gap, as I always love to joke and tell people that. By the time my mom was my age, she already had four children and went back to school. Yeah. So on top of, yes, getting on top of now being a wife, having four children, one with special needs, you decided this is a good time to go back to college. I kept having a dream that I was trying to run, and I had the dream a lot. And in the dream, I just could not run, and I kept thinking it was because I did have four children so close together, and I was just really out of shape. And I was telling your dad about it, and I said, I'm really tired of having the same dream every night. And he laughed, and he said, you need to go to college. And I'm like, yeah, I got a three-month-old baby with special needs, like you said, and now you want to add college on top of it. But I did. And it was, and it wasn't like today where everyone is, you know, every family is a double-income family. No, we no. were a single-income family. You would, you would work, but it wasn't. Like I did taxes at H and R Block, yeah, you know, for a couple months out of the year, mm-hmm. part time. And so, so when Dad now is the only one working is now telling you somebody who has four kids and now has to support four kids with the house payment, car payments. I think you should now spend money and go back to school. 
first I thought it was it was crazy, but then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try a class and let's just see how it goes. And I mean, the rest is history. It took me a long time to get my my RN um, degree, but you started. You remember what year you started? Because it would have been when Matt was, Matt was born. He was born in 2001. So you started in 2001 and just did it at your own speed and on your own time. Yeah, and it, like I said, I think it took me about four years to do a pretty much a two-year degree. Um, and then I worked for a little while, and I then decided to go on for my bachelor's. And I continued to work, but I worked part-time. Um, and then I worked for a little while after that, and then... I don't know what possessed me, but I went back and got my doctorate, and I have always said, you know, after I got my doctorate, that if I even mention a certification or anything, someone's to take me out back and beat me, but I'm currently working on my cancer certification and my surgical assist certification, so I'm just a glutton for punishment. So in the medical field, the initials are important. What are all your initials? Um, DNP, AGNP, when I am done, after I take my test for um, oncology, it'll be AOCNP, and if I complete the certification for surgical assist, it'll be SA-C. So, a little bit of the alphabet. A little bit of everything. Well, not really everything, because there's so much medical, but a little bit of all of it. Yeah. So, you... I remember growing up, you always worked at the nursing home, and then, but for a long time, it was you wanted to be a midwife and deliver babies. I did. I thought. And so, all of a sudden, so you were working, you were working on one end of the life cycle, wanting to work on the other end, and you come home and go, one day, just, you're like, I take a job, I'm going to work in cancer. And... I had teased you a little bit going, well, you now we're going to go from working in an area where everyone dies to now working in a field where people are still going to die. And what possessed you to go into cancer? My When I was working in the nursing home, um, you know, I, I worked my tail off for that RN degree, and I... There's, there's a lot of skills that you do if you're in the hospital or if you're, you know, in a cancer center um, that you use and you stay sharp and you're, you're good. And in the nursing home, um, a lot of times RNs are not on the floor. And if they're on the floor, you're kind of just handing out pills. Um, you don't have, there's not a ton um, that I was doing at the time. And... Being one of the only RNs on the floor, though, if somebody was sick, um, the unit manager, who was an RN, and that's what I did, um, would have to go start the IV. And I missed the IV um, a couple of times, and it bothered me because it was a brand new skill set, and I just worried that, you know, I wasted all that education. So that's kind of what made me start looking for another job. Um, I really, I like my weekends with my family, and so I wanted a job that was still going to be daytime, not night shift, and wasn't going to be on the weekend. And so I, um, Cancer and Hematology in Muskegon had a, a position open, and I interviewed, and shockingly, I got it. So I had zero, zero cancer experience. And... I mean, it was, it was definitely, you know, the right job. They, they got me up to speed on, on things that I, I was falling behind on, on my nursing skills. And, and I worked there for a couple of years, but I always had a passion for women's health. And I think it was, I don't even know if it's so much like my desire to be a nurse midwife. I think it was still, it was just to care for that population, you know. So then... I went to be a chemo nurse um, at gynecologic oncology, and that's where I'm still practicing now as a nurse practitioner. 
So, kind of going off of that, I've gotten some questions from some of my friends, people you've never met, but they know me. So they kind of want to know the mom behind me. <laughs> what, so, who created that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, they, one of the questions they had, kind of following off of this, was, what would be your dream job if money was no object? I, right now, I would love to be able to travel. Um, and that's, I don't know, I would, I would love to be able to do what I'm doing in gynecologic oncology and still doing women's health, but be able to travel and do it. So just be going between different hospitals in different areas, or just, traveling yeah. to the patients? You know, I, I would even be okay with, you know, hitting some of the more rural area areas. You know, we have patients that drive all the way from the UP to come down and see us. You know, there's not a lot of us out there. So, I mean, even going to the rural community and um, being able to care, you know, for people that otherwise, you know, either they're not going to get care or, you know, they're, they're traveling a long way to do it. Um, I also, I would love to be able to just care for anybody and everybody, you know, regardless of ability to pay. Um, that's always kind of bothersome to me that, you know, when you hear, you know, people avoid going to the doctors because they can't pay for it. Um, you know, and I, I told um, Dad already, I would love to be able to, before I retire, you know, to be able to go into some of the poorer communities and do, do the, you know, like the, the clinics and the, I just think that would be really cool. Another question they had was, and I'm, I, I think I might know the answer to this one, but what's your dream car? Car? What's your dream vehicle? Because you've been talking about lately you want to get another minivan like you had <laughs> when us kids were growing up. But I, I know that's not the one you're like, I really want that. I would love to have a not focus styled Mustang. <laughs> so not a new Mustang. <laughs> but I want it to be the Shelby edition with the racing stripe on the hood. I want it to be purple dark, deep, purple. I mean, even could have that pink that kind of changes color a little bit as you're... And I want the white down the hood. I mean, a red one would be pretty cool, too. Because you got to drive one in a as a rental years yeah. and years and years ago. And it was a lot of fun. And ever since then, you've always talked about wanting to have one. I was what I kind of thought was going to be your answer. They had also asked me to ask you what your favorite season is, but I said that's an easy one. Oh, I'm just going to ask her, how does she feel about winter? Well, you know, everybody loves fall because fall is, like, so beautiful and the leaves are changing. But in my heart, those leaves changing signify death because <laughs> everything has to die so that we can go into the pit of hell which we call winter. I despise winter. I despise everything about winter. I bought a coat. <laughs> Everybody at work is proud of me for buying a coat. They think the coat will help me to enjoy winter. No. I love to travel in the winter, anywhere away from winter. Any further? No, I, I knew that was going to be your answer there. That's why I was like, like a lot of these questions I know, but I, I'll ask. I'll still ask. Mm -hmm. um, what is your favorite recipe? White chicken chili. <laughs> Just not the tan version that I think. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob helped the other night and uh, decided to try to make mom's white chicken chili. Yeah, um... When you grab the recipe book and you follow the recipe and you're looking at it and you're like, that doesn't look right because the recipe has changed over time. It's just never been written down that the changes were made. Yeah. John, here's a question for you going off of that one. What is your favorite food? To, if you could come home to a meal, what meal would it be? 
fajitas were pretty good the other night. I'm happy with white chicken chili or the chicken noodle soup mom makes. Um, any of those. We like our chicken. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite memory of specifically for this question, me? My favorite memory of you? Mm-hmm. I think Jake and I, you know, we was just you and I throughout, you know, and it's, you've been kind of the constant, um, <laughs> and, and I think it's just, it's like your senior year going through all of those, you know, first but yet last, um, and just watching you trying to figure out what you were going to do and trying to just stand back and, and watching it happen. Um, I mean, I one of my favorite stories about you, though, is, you know, learning to break at red lights. <laughs> I know this one. The whole entire family was in the van. We were heading up to Silver Lake, and, um, Doc was in the back seat, or on the floor in the back, sitting between the two seats, and um, Jake was still having trouble gauging. When the light turns yellow, you know, do I stop, do I go? And we were just trying to, you know, get to commit. Whatever you decide, really, there's no wrong answer but commit. Like, don't go back and forth between gas brake, gas brake. Um, and came up on a light and and the light went yellow and I thought, oh, here we go. And Jake committed. He was going to go. <laughs> and Tom, in the back seat, said, Jake, and all Jake heard was, oh my God, I need to stop. Even though that's not what Tom was about to say. He was about to say, Jake, great job on committing. But I thought it was going to be, Jake, you need to stop. Yeah. And Jake slammed on the brake so hard that, I mean, things from the back of the van were in the back seat on Brian and, and Jake, or Brian and John, and the dog who was in the back was slid all the way forward and was up in the front, and luckily the seat belt locked. All I remember was Because Tom's arms were coming from the back and were coming after the sad little driver. Uh, All I remember man, yeah. seeing was churning and seeing Dad's hand reaching for me. But then all of a sudden hearing the toolbox behind him shifting and the hand frantically going back to catch the toolbox from hitting him in the back of the head. Yes. Yes, 15-year-old driving. I yep. did it three times. I got three of you guys driving. <laughs> for the next one, but they also said to, um, what's your favorite embarrassing memory of Jacob? Um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> so, Jake had a lot of friends up at the lake, and a lot of those friends were female. Oh boy, I, I think I know where this is going. Are you sure you want to open this can of worms? <laughs> they told me to ask the question. I'm not a good reporter if I don't. And I, um, Jacob, um, on his phone had a an app that if he used certain words, I would get a message or an email. Or if he made certain searches, I would get a message or an email. And so. were coming up like skinny dip. And I'm like, what the heck? So, thankfully, being, you know, this beautiful app, I then pulled up the transcripts of the text. And my dear son went skinny dipping in Silver Lake. Nasty, nasty water. With a whole bunch of girls. I know most of the men in and around our group, unless it was the father of one of the said children, what a high
high five, Tim. <laughs> but so let's. We gotta get something put. We gotta get something straight here. I didn't get to see anything. <laughs> That's his story, and he's sticking to it. I am sticking it. to it. They made so there was a dock. The girls went on one side of the dock, which was full of boats, and I had to go on the other side of the dock, which was full of boats. So I was skinny dipping by myself. Let's get that straight. There was no. I know. I know. I hear you. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm sticking to that story because it's the you. truth. Uh huh. Okay. Next. If otherwise, I would have been bragging about it. I know. They know me and Brian, so which one <laughs> are they talking about? <laughs> what was it like to raise four boys? Is the question is what I just heard. Yeah, yeah, you can go with that. Okay, yeah. Um, you guys definitely gave me a run for my money. Um, especially when you guys would all team up. But for the most part, you guys were pretty good at narking each other out. But I think there were quite a few times where, you know, you, you guys, like the chairs, you guys did hold that together for quite a while. Um, but it, I can't imagine life being any, any, any different. You know, I, I do remember one night laying in our travel trailer. We had a couple of extra guys with us. Well, we had three. Yep. There was so there was nine of us total inside this trailer that was said could sleep nine, but it shouldn't have. <laughs> um, but there was just so much chaos and noise, and it was. And I lay in bed, and I was. Tom looked at me, and he goes, "What are you smiling about?" And I said, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "You are smiling." He goes, "You love this chaos." I said, I, it's, I don't know, I do. I mean, I love it when the, you know, even when the guys get loud now. I mean, and there's some nights we get pretty darn loud. Um, just some of the things they say, you know, and you just, you're cracking up laughing. and Like but, Brian the uh, last time, what was it? Pizza, pizza dough boobs and pepperoni oh, nipples. God. Yes, I mean, and that. And. Kitty twisters, nipple cripplers, nipple cripplers. Um, my friend Justin and I were gonna open a strip called strip club called Pips Nips. And he was mortified that I did that. He was mortified that I told you that. He was even more mortified when I asked him about it. <laughs> it's or when good. Dad put it in his graduation card. <laughs> <laughs> and his parents went, "What's that?" And he goes, "Nothing, nothing." I mean, even, you know, just like spring breaks down south. My gosh, we'd have huge. I mean, that one time, what, we had 12 in the room? Oh, we had a bunch, yeah, something. 12 of us all in one condo. <laughs> condo that I only reserved for six. Oops. <laughs> <It's> Details. <laughs> so off of the, the, what it's like raising four boys, last question. Who's the favorite? I mean... <laughs> As she looks at John, by the way, for people who can't see anything, because you're only listening to this. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always love to look at everybody's faces whenever you guys are like, who's the favorite? Because you all are like, I mean, John's favorite. No, Jake's favorite. I mean, no, Brian must be the favorite. We all and know then it's everybody Matt. We all know it's Matt. says Matt. <laughs> the answer is just whoever we think it is. <laughs> she always loves to say, you're my favorite oldest son, or you're my, my favorite son named John, or favorite son that start, name starts with a B. She can't say that for John and my favorite son that starts with a J, because, well, that's, yeah, <laughs> obvious. <sighs> well, this wasn't too bad. 
No. What do you think, Chum? I'm just driving. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do it again. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you did, make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you're watching it on Facebook, leave a like and leave some comments for future questions you would like me to ask my mom on future upcoming podcasts when we sit down to do this again. I hope you guys enjoyed. I've been Jacob from Quad Hunting, and I will see you guys all next time. Squad, what?